Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Six. And Father, I'm going to be bringing up a topic here today that is something that I find very important in my dealing with other people, especially with the employee side of the world. But it's really something with everyone in general. And it's a human nature situation. So therefore, I know the church has had some experience with it. Although I don't think it's ever really been historically like mankind perspective in vogue to talk about until probably the last four seconds. So with, with that being said, the concept of when a situation or a problem is thrown at you, there's a spectrum that psychologists tell us that you can either introvert all of those problems. Introvert might not even be the right word, but you can take all of those problems in and internalize them and say, it's all because of me. I am the reason this bad thing's happening. Or you can blame it upon the outside world and say that all of these bad things are happening to me. So the difference being, if it's internalized, it's because of me. If it's externalized, they are happening to me and I have no control over them. And since I believe this to be an element of human nature, uh, I wanted to discuss what it is that that is with people. Because obviously, that default setting, wherever you are along that spectrum is going to wildly impact your relationships with other people. If you're constantly blaming other people for things that are happening to you, that's sometimes difficult to be around people like that. Likewise, if you're just sucking everything inside of you, it can really wear down when there's other people's problems around you that you feel like you're responsible for. And I wanted to have this conversation because it's something that we all deal with. And how should we incorporate with our lives? What is the church teachings? And kind of is there a, an ideal sweet spot to be that we should strive for? Or just say, well, that's the way they were made. Like I was made six foot tall. I can't do anything about that. This guy's made as, as someone who's blaming everything outside of him. We can't do anything about that. I don't know if that's the answer, but I want to start with acknowledging that that possibility could at least be on the table. So Father, if you can teach us, answer well it's uh again a, a nice example of how thoughtful you are joe and how in touch you are with yourself and and also with other people and and uh living in that space and so always uh useful questions i would say that self-blame and blaming others are two among many defense mechanisms that we have went to try and handle pain when we get hurt uh, there are other forms of avoidance and denial of intellectualization, uh, uh, different forms of escape. We could probably look up uh, defense mechanisms, uh, Google that, and I could talk about each one of the things that comes up in a typical list of defense mechanisms. But um, that's really what blame is, is a, a way of trying to handle internal pain. It's a, a way of discharging pain and guilt is the way that it's described in the literature. Um, and self-blame, turning it on ourselves, that everything is my fault is, uh, as you say, just kind of a different mode. We all have our favorite defenses and uh, taking, you know, being overly responsible, over-responsibility is a way we could describe that or um, that's that turns in on ourselves or a kind of uh, perfectionism goes together with the same concept of everything is my fault. If I were perfect, everything would be perfect. And having that 
that idea that gets wrapped around different things. So, so it really does depend on the person. Other people go on the offensive. It's a little like the fight or flight uh, response to, to danger that some of us move into fight mode and uh, others move into flight mode and turn, turn towards it or turn away from it. And I think that tends to be a, you know, somewhat kind of depends on the danger. We do tailor make this to different dangers. Uh, so if, if you're in a position of being an employee, uh, you might move into one position. If you're in the position of being an employer, you might move into another position when facing a, a danger. So uh, our relationships and the mode that we're in uh, are going to also determine the kinds of defenses we're using in a particular circumstance. So I think, but I think that's the important thing when you're talking about employees, whether they blame themselves or whether they blame others, uh, at some level, it doesn't matter. The point is that they're, they're hurt, they're feeling like a failure, and they're trying to manage the situation. And so I always conceive of this as, you know, a defense is defending something. What it's defending is actually the lovable part of the person, which mm. is feeling hurt and overwhelmed and insecure and uh, like a failure and unable to cope. And, you know, it's like a little child in that person. And what comes out is a rage, but actually what's underneath is uh, a scared, hurt, uh, overwhelmed, insecure little child, and and so as as an employer, uh, and I am also an employer, and uh, also a, as a spiritual father working with a lot of spiritual children, or as the uh, kind of spiritual father of the the seminary, or at least uh, some of the seminarians, director of spiritual formation. Uh, I'm I'm looking at the the people that I'm in charge of, and trying to always keep my eye on the vulnerable parts of them. Uh, which is not always evident as they're defending themselves behind uh, sarcasm, cynicism, uh, blame, uh, complaining, or or uh, collapsing in on themselves, blaming themselves, hiding away, avoiding problems, numbing out in a variety of ways. Uh, so anyway, I, I just see that all in that collection of defenses. And then the important thing is to, you know, we can wrestle with defenses a little bit, and especially in a certain circumstances. I mean, it's just, it, it may be coming out of hurt that you just hit somebody in the head with a baseball bat, but that defense is not acceptable in any form of, uh, of, of our world. So sometimes the defense needs to be stopped. And that's where something like incarceration can be at the minimum stopping people from hurting people. But by itself, that's not enough. What needs to happen is there needs to be healing, understanding, connection, there needs to be a place that the vulnerable part can be seen and exposed. The person, him or herself, has to be able to get in touch with that part of themselves as well. So there's more work to do than just stopping defenses or moderating behavior. But that is an important starting point, you know. And if you have uh, whatever contractors that you're hiring and they're constantly blaming everybody else for the things that go wrong, you know, you you have to moderate that in some way and say. Uh, we need to face reality. But it's always good to keep an eye on, well, this is coming out of some woundedness in the person. And maybe I have the chance even to sort of love them in that woundedness. Maybe they're so embarrassed at the mistake that they made or how badly things went that all of that comes out. And and just being able to say, hey, we all make mistakes. And I understand. And we're going to work through it. 
sometimes that just drops the defense. It just dis- dissipates because you actually hit the thing and loved the part of them that that defense was was uh, covering up. So anyway, so a few starting points for thoughts. Yeah, and so and I also want to bring this up is like this isn't something that just because we talk about it after COVID wasn't always here. Um, you know, in, in terms of, of of mankind's things. And this gets into, I, I guess, a bigger problem because it's not just employers, employees. I mean, this is every element of relationships you have, right? I mean, it starts with with from from your childhood. And I, you know, I look at my son and say that there's times that I have to correct him, which puts him in a spot where he's scared and upset because sometimes he's just not getting what he's want. And I look at him and see, and he literally like just covers his eyes, like you can't see me, I disappear type thing, um, like like low kids will do. And I bring this up because in doing things in terms of being employee, raising people flat out being there for each other, you need to tell people that things are going wrong when they are, um, you know, that, that that's part of being a, at minimum, a good friend to someone. You don't let them continue go down a path that is not successful. You know, th- th- that's not good for anyone, which means inevitably we are all called to cause some form of situation when someone might want to run away and retreat from, or potentially cause a situation where th- their vulnerability is exposed where we actually have to address situations. And I want to talk about the notion where it doesn't make you a better person by avoiding all of the person's trigger zones or or landmines that they have out there. But there's actually going to have to be, because society would require it, a way to deal with this problem in a way that can give positive results that lead to acceptability and positive growth for everyone involved. So while you said that I just hit upon one of many defense mechanisms, is there a universal answer that will apply to all or maybe most of them? Or is there, you just got to do this one for this one and this for that? Well, again, the, the thing that ultimately brings down the defense is for the part that's being defended to be loved and accepted. So when the, you know, it's like, a, if you think of it in animalistic terms, you know, when you have a, a, a wounded animal that either comes out growling or cowers in the corner, why is it doing that? You know, there's a, maybe it's favoring a paw that's been cut or something like that. When you heal the wound, then the defense disappears. Doesn't matter what the defense is, whether it's an attacking one or, or a hiding one whatever the defense is, is always going to resolve when that vulnerable part feels loved and accepted. So what is that for each person in each situation? You know, that just depends. And and that's a whole, you know, configuration of things too, that uh, I'm, you know, we, we all have our own kind of sensitivities towards different relationships. And, um, but, but generally affirmation, acceptance, you know, we communicate a lot by our our, uh, our presence. I mean, so somebody makes a mistake, feels embarrassed, and then starts blaming. And mm-hmm. when you come into that, if you start going, well, it's not their fault, it's your fault. <laughs> this is not going to actually, now that might be true, but the truth is not actually going to 
deflate the situation because what they're really saying is I'm embarrassed that there's this mistake and I feel terrible and I don't know how to bear that pain. And so I'm going to attack this other person and deflect. And then if you try to turn it back on them, (laughs) then it's still not addressing the underlying pain that's there. Now, again, that may need to be done because there is a matter of justice and some situations need to be moderated. And even at their best, they may not be willing to be vulnerable enough to you to actually receive that. But generally, if we can you know, de-escalate things and we do that by our presence, like this is not rejection. It's not personal. I'm not saying you're a bad person uh, or that you're a you know, useless human being or something like that. I'm saying that there's this mistake and I'm willing to work through it with you. And even if there are consequences, I still accept you as a person. Yeah. These are the kinds of things we're communicating, whether we're using those words or not, by our presence, uh, not getting worked up, not being angry, critical, harsh, uh, not continuing to poke the things that are already wounded, uh, not attacking the person. So a lot of those ways can de-escalate. Those can lower any kind of defense, really. And and then we might be able to see a little bit clear, more clearly the vulnerability and and uh, love the person in that. And, and, and I love the notion that kind of was under the surface of what you said right there is that logically we can know this is a mistake and we should blame it. But it's the emotional side of us that really needs the correcting. And, you know, I, I'm going through this in my life, you know, not necessarily as the business contractor side, but as the sales element that I've been involved with since I was 18. And one thing that is always the case is the logic side of your brain is or is much weaker than the emotional side of your brain when it comes to making purchases. And I think that this is another example of this. You know, so much of our society is tailored to hemming in extreme emotions. I mean, if we look at our laws, the things that people get most upset about when they get broken are the ones that are a violation of an extreme emotion. Murder. Um, you know, you go through all the list of all the bad things. Murder is extreme anger. Um, so we need to figure out how to hem that in. But we're all trained in the workplace to do it from a logic standpoint. When logic <laughs> isn't as strong as the emotion in actually answering these questions. And what I think that I've loved talking with you for the last five years, Father, is you figure out how to describe emotion in a logical way, which I know for my personality type rings incredibly true. Um, I'm not the kind of person who named every single one of my stuffed animals growing up. (laughs) That's just not who I am. But... I also recognize the fact that everything you said here is is correct. And it's kind of gets into these problems of when I ask you, like, how can I just build a system for this, that, or the other? And normally the answer comes back to love and you can't really build a system exactly for do this, do this, do this equals love. It's not a mathematical equation getting to the overall point that logic isn't emotion. And It's very hard whenever you're sitting there and you are encountering one of these defense mechanisms, being blamed for something you didn't do, 
watching them run away from their responsibilities or any of the other ones out there and being like, I I did nothing wrong. Why did this just become a bigger problem? And it can be very baffling for a lot of people out there. Like, like, how did this happen? Like, like it, uh, what? <laughs> like, I, I, I'm literally trying to articulate the emotions that, that I've gone through here, Father. Um, that, again, I think I'm normal. I think a lot of people have been there. So how do we... I, I don't even know how to describe this. Emotionally educate ourselves so that we can relate to people in a way. Because using your example you said there, if the guy wasn't embarrassed, he'd be much more willing to say, okay, I messed up. How do I do better? But if there's a core embarrassment, it's shutdown time. So how do we essentially, in a way where we still care, learn how to overcome these types of underlying emotional problems? All right. Well, if I thank you for... No, no, thank you for uh, for reiterating that. And, and I really appreciate, uh, as you're appreciating me focusing on emotions, I appreciate how you're taking that in and continuing to integrate it. Um, so um, emotions aren't problems. <laughs> and uh, the first thing that we do as we get more connected with ourselves is we, we learn what our emotions are telling us. And so that's kind of the, and, and just taking emotions as, uh, you know, first of all, it's a fact. I feel this thing. So that's a fact. That's uh now why do I feel this thing? Well, it's telling me something. And it may what it's telling me may not be totally accurate. And and it's reacting from something there. But uh, but sometimes it's picking up on some stuff. You know, it's like I feel angry about something. Well, that may be because somebody is really walking on my boundaries and is really getting their nose into territory they shouldn't. Now maybe they're a nice person. And they're doing that in a nice way. But the fact is they're crossing boundaries and I'm feeling that. And so unless I like actually pay attention to that anger rather than saying, and this is the kind of thing we can get into is uh, like, well, because I'm angry, I'm a bad person because I'm Christian. I'm not supposed to get angry. And so therefore I need to get rid of the anger because it's not helping me. Well, it's like, well, maybe it is helping you. (laughs) It -hmm. is actually telling you something. Now you don't need to blow up out of that. You don't want to shut that down, but you want to try to listen to it. So as we start to give room for our emotions to not blame or shame them, not consider them as problems that need to be overcome or uh, things that need to be gotten rid of in us, then then we can start to learn from what some of those things are saying. And so that's, a, that's what I would say is the first step. Now, is in certain situations, like uh, when I'm talking to somebody and I can feel I'm starting to have a strong emotional reaction, uh, I'm getting very anxious. I was teaching a class, uh, well, last week. I don't know when this will be broadcast. A couple of weeks ago, probably. And uh, I, uh, I was very. I, I, there were a lot of things going on, but I was also trying to teach the class. So I was kind of powering through some of these things. But I was having some anxiety. It took me some time after the class and uh, in prayer to really look and say, "Where is that coming from?" And I saw like, I really want to be received. I want to be loved in a certain sense. And I want the things that I'm teaching to be received by the students. And I'm anxious that that's not happening. And then, but then I don't want to be anxious. And so I'm like controlling that and becoming even stronger about it and even getting more into my head to explain the things I'm trying to teach. (laughs) And so then it's wrapping some other stuff around that 
that anxiety, but the anxiety is coming from a little part of me. You know, it's like a little brother from when I was five and I wanted my big brother to listen to me. I mean, that's, that's like the emotional level that this is coming out. And that's a beautiful part of me. And that drives a lot of what I have to share. But when it's not feeling received, or I'm afraid it's not being received, then that becomes very intense. Now, in that particular moment, I know myself well enough. I'm starting to pay attention to that. I can take a deep breath. So when we're starting to get into what's called hyper arousal, uh, and we're getting very excited, anxious, angry, fearful, uh, then I can take a deep breath and ground myself. I can plant my feet on the ground. So there are some ways we can moderate if we're really in hyper arousal. And that's like, I can't think straight because my emotion is so strong. Now, I wasn't that way last week so much, but uh, th- we get into those situations. You know, people have, uh, many of us have the kinds of anxieties wrapped around authority figures, father figures. Like if you as the employer start to come and say, hey, I just caught this problem with the balance sheet and it looks like you stole Mm $5,000. That may really push someone into hyper arousal and they can't think straight at that point. Mm -hmm. Now on your side, there are ways you could bring up the situation, especially if you don't know if it's totally true and you're trying to connect with somebody. But on the person side who's being accused of that, they may need to have at least the presence of mind to say things like, you know, just to take a deep breath and maybe to de-escalate in some way and say, you know, I, I just need a minute. That took me by surprise. Can you just let me have a chance to settle down? Anyway, we can do those kinds of things. As the power person, it's uh, even easier for us to do them. So it's good to be aware of it. We don't want to push people into hyper arousal. <laughs> uh, we want to help people be in themselves and be able to communicate a little bit more uh, rationally. But anyway, I just threw out a, a number of unorganized things there but you did father and, and, and there's so many responses i have to have there um, which will be next week's episode but i don't want to go into the we have four seconds left ask you another question mode <laughs> um, so with, with that being said we, we we do invite everyone to listen to part two of this conversation which will be taking place next week and we do invite you if you haven't already please share us with a friend click a little button that's in your app and you can just send it to a friend who you think could benefit from our content here. We are growing and sustaining in vastly strong ways. And it's all because of you guys as, as the listeners out here. We've never spent a dime in advertising and it has all been through word of mouth and you guys finding us in the search engine. So we thank you guys for doing that. We please help you for do, or thank you for doing that in the future.